Did you guys get that email from Amazon saying that you needed to get product insurance in the next 30 days? Thousands of sellers did. Today, we're gonna talk about what that email entails and what are the best practices for getting insurance. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon world. And we've got a cool episode today. You know, the ones that have always been very popular in the past is when we have panel discussions with different people to talk about, you know, things and, and themes that are trending in the Amazon world. And and one of those things is, is insurance for Amazon sellers. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But before we do, let's go ahead and introduce our two guests. First of all, we've got uh, Ashlyn. Ashlyn, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you doing? I'm doing just delightful. Where are you located right now? I um, am born and raised in Indiana, so I'm here in the cornfields and the soybeans. Okay, okay. Indiana <laughs> Hoosier here. I'm a Hoosier. All right. And we've got Michelle. Michelle, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. And where are you located right now? I am just next door to Ashland, I guess. I'm in um, Owensboro, Kentucky. Kentucky. Okay. So that uh, explains the accent a little bit, I guess. <laughs> You sound like you're from Australia. No, just playing. Of course, uh, from this uh, (laughs) very strong Southern accent. I like it. Yeah, that's what you get here in Kentucky. Okay, cool, cool. Now, let's get just a little bit more. I always love, you know, hearing how people arrive to to the e-commerce world. You know, the the journey is always different. So, Ashton, first of all, you said you were born and raised in Indiana. Now, you know, growing up there. You know, I think the stereotype for for boys is everybody, you know, wants to play basketball or, or something or to be an Indiana Hoosier. <laughs> but what about you? Like you were eight, nine, 10 years old in Indiana. What what, what was your career ambitions at that time as a, as a young girl? So I wanted to be an FBI agent at that mm. age. Uh, I wanted to be that bad woman in the slick pants with a gun on her hip. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get my degree in criminal justice, but didn't use it at all. Um, I ended up getting into the insurance field on, on kind of a whim. So my degree has nothing to do with what I do now. So, I mean, so that, that's, that's interesting. Like what you actually wanted to do, even as before you were 10 ended up what you kind of, you know, started majoring in, in college, you know, not a lot, you know, some people yeah. say, oh, I want to be an astronaut. And then they kind of give that up by age 12 or something, but <laughs> okay, cool. So like you got your degree and then mm-hmm. did you try to apply for FBI or or police? Not really. So I got into the banking industry and I thought that I wanted to do some like financial crimes, but then I realized that computers didn't talk back and it was really, really boring. Mm. (laughs) So I got into the management in banking and I did that for about 11 years. And then I was moving from the Chicagoland area back home to the Noblesville, Indianapolis area. Okay. And one of my friends worked for a insurance company and said, hey, come apply. I get this bonus if you just take the interview. And I was like, I'm not interested in selling insurance. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. And she like begged me to do it. So I took the interview and the gentleman who interviewed me said this was a man's industry and that those men out there would outsell me every day. That guy would be totally so, canceled in 2021. <laughs> yeah. So I said, um, 
I'll take the job and I'll prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got into insurance. I was rookie of the year, top rep in the state, um, accepted my award and sent a picture and said, who can't sell insurance now? So it was his fault, 100%. If he would have just said, you know, you had the job, I'd probably say, no, thank you. And would have walked away. (laughs) Maybe that was part of his strategy. Maybe, maybe, (laughs) but it worked. It totally worked. Okay. And then- in the beginning, what kind of insurance were you doing uh, in the Yeah, in so the in the beginning, days? I was doing home, auto, and life insurance, a little bit of commercial. Um, but I didn't do the e-commerce insurance until about five years ago when one of, the, um, one of my personal clients said that, hey, I'm selling online. Amazon's changing these rules and I need this insurance policy. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. And I was like, nobody likes e-commerce. None of the insurance carriers know anything about you. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know there was third-party sellers on Amazon. Um, Chris, go away. And he kept bugging me and bugging me. And so I finally was able to get him a policy. And he came back and he's like, hey, I'm on this Facebook group. And there's 13,000 of us in this group. Can I post your information? And I was like, well, crap. This, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just snowballed from there. Huh. Okay. Okay, cool. Let, let's go back to uh, Michelle now. Now, growing up, what were your career ambitions? I I was, um, <laughs> I had the ambition of being an accountant. My mom worked for a nursing home and she, she, you know, we became close with the administrator and he had an accounting degree and was very successful. And so I thought that's what I wanted to do. So I went to college, I uh, got my my BS in um, accounting and met my husband and he's a CPA, comes from a long, long line of CPAs. Mm-hmm. And I thought if we ever are having a family, we both can't be CPAs. So I took a job as an office manager at an agency here in town. And this would have been um, 94 when I graduate. Well, I, 93, I guess. And I just was doing all of the accounting and all of the, um, all the commercial insurance. Cause I, I just only do commercial insurance. And then I moved up to, um, I was asked to come to work for a, a very large agency here in town and across the state. And was very lucky in that and blessed. And I've been there ever since. And um, so I focus only on large commercial risk until Mm -hmm. the whole e-commerce world um, opened up. This is pretty interesting. Number one, it's very, we not only had one person, but two people who both went to college for what they thought that they wanted to do, you know, you know, even at the mm-hmm. age of eight, 10 years old or whatever, that, that's kind of rare. You know, I don't even remember what I wanted to do when I was eight. I, I think I wanted to be a baseball card dealer and I didn't even go to college. So, <laughs> so then there's that, but, uh, I see a lot of similar paths, you know, it, it seems, sounds like the insurance agency, it was maybe perhaps male dominated, you know, Michelle just said she was only the, the, the second yeah. uh, female to hold that position. And, and Ashlyn was, was, uh, hated on a little bit by being a, a, a female. So you, you have very similar career paths. You start off off of e-commerce and then you see that there's this need for uh, insurance having to deal with e-commerce. So both you kind of have ended up in this uh, in this industry. Is that sounds about right? Yeah, yeah that that's pretty much it. You know, I um, I became a seller, and that's how I got into this. Mm. Um, I've always piddled a around. A seller on, on Amazon. I'm talking about. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
Um, and so I've been, you know, I've been selling and doing e-commerce on the side for 20 years through eBay. Um, and just because that's, I just, it's kind of a passion. I love the the hunt, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. And just going to some of the conferences and such to learn how to do Amazon, um, it was discovered that I actually have a full-time job as an insurance agent and it became very clear. And I was asked to be on a bunch of podcasts and there was a need. There was definitely a need for somebody that definitely understood insurance and definitely understood e-commerce as a seller. So that's, um, you know, I still have all my commercial accounts that I maintain, but I only focus now on e-commerce and I have a passion for that. Um, There's not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of money in it, yeah. Um, but I feel very, very um, driven to help other sellers, and that's that's mm-hmm. why I do it. A- Ashley, what about you? Now that you you've dealt with so many Amazon sellers out there, you ever get inspired to like, man, I need to try this Amazon thing for myself? Or <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. When I first got into the business, and I was seeing some of these people come in as like three, four, five million dollars in sales. Mm-hmm. And you look at what they're selling and I'm like, wow, you make that on on widgets. <laughs> and then I realize that the margins are so much smaller. Mm-hmm. And the sell these sellers work hard. Mm-hmm. Um and I personally don't didn't want this to be like a conflict of interest where, you know, one of our our clients have to tell us what they're selling, where they're sourcing from, oh, things yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. So so I, from the very beginning, just said, hey, I'm not going to be a seller and I forbid all of my um, employees to be sellers. But it has crossed my mind a couple of times seeing seeing the sales that yeah. that you guys do. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? But you work hard. Yeah. Oh, really yeah. I mean, hard. some people try and put this... Uh, <laughs> Put this uh, mentality. Oh yeah, you know, you sell on Amazon. It's a laptop lifestyle. You just set up some products and then go, you know, to the to the Maldives and and sip margaritas all day. That's not you know, that's not how it yeah, how it, it works. Uh-uh. <laughs> and there's a lot of ins and outs and crazy things that come up. Now, the reason why I, I made this episode is that a lot of people over the last you know few weeks were were, were posting in Facebook groups and this and that because of an email that they got from Amazon. And I think the email goes something like, hey, we're, we're writing to you because you need to provide li- proof of liability, insurance, uh, blah, 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 blah. Please respond by this day. Now, you, you guys familiar with the, the email I'm talking about? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yes. so let's first of all talk about that. Like who, I don't know, I don't even check my own seller central email. So I just realized I probably haven't even done this, but did everybody get that email or was it just certain people? No, not everyone, I believe. In my um, in my investigation and in my conversations with Amazon um, individuals, not sellers, but Amazon people, you know, they started out fairly small, um, so they wouldn't be inundated with a tremendous amount of response. Um, and in some of the smaller sellers, I haven't had any of my big bigger sellers receive it yet. Um, and I believe in what I understand is kind of a rollout and that it'll be amped up um, in over the next several months. Is that kind of your understanding to it, Ashlyn? Yeah. So 
They, what we've heard is that the three months of consecutive sales of $10,000 or more, they're kind of using that as a starting point. Now, all the pro sellers are required to have insurance, but it's our understanding now that Amazon's going to just start at that $10,000 for three consecutive months to start getting these certificates of insurance uploaded. But I really think moving forward, Amazon's going to crack down. This is just the starting point, and they're going to start making sure that everyone who is selling on the pro seller platform is going to have to have this insurance. Mm -hmm. Well, it's in the terms of service. If you're a pro seller paying the $39 Mm -hmm. um, a month fee, then you are already, without any monthly limitation, required to carry insurance and provide Amazon a certificate. However, Amazon has not policed it like Chewy and Walmart and the other selling platforms have. Okay. All right. This is this is interesting because now now I'm like kind of freaking out because uh, since I don't pay my attention to my uh, my emails, I'm trying to see if I got that email, but I couldn't find it right now. But it sounds like you know, eventually everybody might get it. And it and um, I forgot who mentioned it, either Ashley or Michelle. It, it is in the actual terms of service there, but I just. Yeah, I just don't think that they're they're policing it enough. But let's just take a step back really quick. And and this article mentions one million dollars of commercial general umbrella or excess liability insurance. That that sound you know to, to to people dumb people like me, um, that, that's a different language there. So so Ashlyn, can you explain just in general terms, you know, not necessarily in regards to what Amazon is talking about here, but what does commercial general umbrella or excess liability insurance even mean? Yeah, so it's a basic policy that's going to cover what you do or say as a business. It's just general liability. Um, The other thing that Michelle and I are definitely on the same page about is if you're selling products online, not only do you need the general liability, but you need product liability too. So general liability is going to cover what you do or say as a business. Product liability is going to cover what your products do to harm someone else. So if I'm selling you know, like um, an iPhone charger and the iPhone charger catches on fire and burns my house down, um, you're going to want product liability also. So general liability and product liability is really what you need um, for selling online. Okay. And then now, Michelle, like, so a policy, is it like for the business? Is it for a brand? Is it for a seller central account? Like what, when you get a policy, what does it cover? Yeah, so it's going to cover your legal entity. So if you have an LLC, for example, it will cover your your entity um, across all selling platforms. So it doesn't matter if you're selling in a Shopify store, eBay, Amazon, Walmart, it doesn't matter. It follows you. It follows your legal entity. Um, There are certain instances that um, if it's a higher risk type product, the those policies are written on a specified products form, which is legal terminology or insurance terminology. But you have to be very careful in those instances that your product, all of your products that you're selling are covered and listed under that policy. So it gets a little, it gets a little um, more complicated when you mm-hmm. have a higher risk type product. If you're talking babies, ingestibles, um, pets, People are crazy about their pets and they go to the ends of the earth for their pets. Yeah. So you have to be really careful about um, how the policy is written and make sure you have someone that understands e-commerce and understands product liability um, that's handling your insurance. So it's not just a matter of, 
hey, I'm just going to get this policy out in this company's name. It's like when you set it up, it's kind of like when you get insurance, medical insurance, they ask you about your medical history. And obviously it's going to cost more if you've got, you know, cancer or, or whatever, or heart condition. It's similar, I'm assuming now in, in this Amazon space is like, if I just sell, you know, coffin shelves on Amazon, well, you know, there's not much that can happen with a coffin shelf. So, you know, the insurance policy might be low, but if under my company, I've got 10 different brands and some of them are, you know, kitchen knives, some of them are, are hoverboards with batteries that might explode. You know, some of them are, you know, supplements. That person is going to be paying more than the person who's just trying to insure his coffin shelf brand. Yeah, the big thing is you've got to be honest mm-hmm. with when you're filling out the application. Don't try to deceive the insurance company. So if you're selling something high risk, like a baby item, tell your insurance Um, agent what you're selling. Because if it is a specified product and you don't tell them, then they're not going to cover the losses. So just remember to always be honest and tell tell them what you're actually selling. Okay. And and to piggyback on that, um, in addition to that, you have audits every year. So if you're, if you say, you know, to get a cheap insurance policy to begin with, and you say, my sales are only a hundred thousand, but you, you have previous years of sales, there were 5 million each year, then you're going to get hit with a big audit. And that's just going to come back and, um, you know, it's just not going to be good for you. You're going to have an additional premium due, um, right off the, right off the bat at your renewals. So, um, being honest and upfront and disclosing the information to your agent is key in making sure you're properly protected. Okay. All right. Now, I mean, I know that, uh, like we just said that, you know, cost and, and things are going to vary greatly by whatever insurance company you use, by what products you're selling, how much business you do. But let's just, let's just take a, a simple example here. You know, we'll, we'll take the project X for, for those who don't know uh, when we say project X, that's the, uh, online series that Tim Jordan and I did on YouTube. You guys can type in Helium 10 Project X. We launched a, a couple you know, simple products. One was a wooden egg tray and one was a shelf that's shaped like a coffin. And, and gross revenue is about a quarter of a million dollars a year and just kind of like those two products. So, you know, e- either of you or both of you, like what would you say, uh, me, if that's my account, how does it even work? What, what kind of fees am I looking at? Do you want to take that well, one, Michelle? Yeah, I'll take it. Um, you know, based depending on which company would write it, um, it's it's rated different ways. Um, if you are doing private label, and that you know, and I assume that would be private label, then it would be in most cases rated as an importer, and then adjusting um, the products rate to the actual product um, exposure. So. In that instance, it's just basically based on your rates. Um, I mean, your um, your sales. But if you are doing, uh, and and of course, the higher your sales, the higher the premium. Um, and it does it does matter. There's no there's no like minimum threshold. Like you have to have a hundred thousand in sales before you hit. You know, it, it's not by any level amount of sales gets you to the next premium. It's truly a per $100 of sales um, rate. And then it's truly just a a mathematical calculation. So, um, Mm. 
And then, you know, there we add, I mean, I always add on all of my policies, um, worldwide coverage and additional, a blanket additional insured because um, especially, you know, with everything being so internet based and Mm -hmm. you can, you can have people from the UK ordering your product from the US. And if there's a claim, you need to make sure you have coverage for that product and that claim in the UK. So you, ha- you really have to have that worldwide coverage to be fully covered. Um, and then, of course, the blanket additional insured is another cost, but that gets that gives you that coverage if you are in any sort of contract, which your terms of service is a contract, and that would extend the coverage automatically. So it's it's another kind of protection for the insureds. Okay, so then, like, uh, for for that sample case right there, you said it's based on your sales. So then, if I'm doing two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of sales a year, what would my monthly, what is it called, premium? Is that what it's called? It would be premium, and it would just it would depend upon a lot of things: your location, your um, some of your risk risk management that you've done. Um, if you have if it's something that you need um, to do inspections on, or if it's an FDA mm-hmm. um, type item and you're doing all of what you're supposed to be doing, then you kind of get a little bit of a break in t- at times on the insurance. So there are so many factors that go into it. It's not just, a, you know, we don't look at a graph or a chart and say, this is what your premium would be there. It truly is individualized. If it's something along that line, two hundred fifty thousand in sales, um, you know, I don't know, a thousand dollars a year type of thing. Okay. Um, if it's in a a preferred type category and it's not ingestibles mm-hmm. and pets and those sorts of things, yeah. um, you're you're looking at something along that line. Okay, okay, that, that's I mean that's a good uh, thing to know. Now, now if I have one of those uh, policies, what does that cover? Like, first of all, what you know in the Amazon ecosystem. What is that covered? That's like, you know, somebody has my coffin shelf, they hang it up on the wall. It, it falls down and, and hits them on the head and, and they, they want to sue me for medical damages or, or what, what is it? What does this kind of uh, policy cover? Yeah. yeah. So what um, Michelle just kind of explained is going to be your general liability and product liability is going to be your base policy. Um, and then some of the other things that she talked about was endorsements. So your base policy is going to cover Um, what you do or say. So let's say you've got that shelf and you say that this shelf is going to make my room look rich. And they come back and say, well, it doesn't make my my room look rich. Um, It actually makes my room look drag. That's general liability. That's going to cover like false advertisement and things like that. Um, The product liability, if the shelf falls down, hits you on the head, you have to go to the hospital, whatever. most policies have medical payments built in, so that would help pay those medical payments. Um, and then your gen, your your general aggregate would kick in at that million dollars. So that's going to help pay for your attorney to defend you from this lawsuit and then any type of damages that they say that you have to pay. So that's really the big things that um, is going to be covered. Now, you can always add other endorsements, which is a fancy word for like add-ons, to cover other stuff. Um, but just to kind of piggyback on what Michelle said, that's why you need an agent that knows e-commerce, that knows the questions to ask. 
you know, are you using your vehicle for um, sourcing? Are you private labeling? Are you using a 3PL? All of these other questions that only somebody in the e-commerce business would know to ask to add those additional endorsements. If you just go online to some Joe Blow online, they're not going to ask these types of questions. So making Mm -hmm. sure that you've got somebody who's knowledgeable to ask the questions so you have the right coverages. Ashlyn just said, um, you know, the the third-party fulfillment, um, those sorts of things. You know, you don't really... People don't really think about that until the bank and they're taking out a, um, an SBA loan and the bank says, oh, you need coverage on your inventory. You know, it's there's so many things that could be um, that you need coverage for and, and having somebody that knows what they're doing is so important mm-hmm. for your business. Okay. And now what, what if like, um, you know, this obviously, is, you know, is covers, you know, things that are happening on Amazon, but the same policy would cover if I'm selling on Etsy in my own, in my own brick and mortar, uh, eBay, et cetera. As long as you tell the agent what you're doing. So if you don't tell us we have a brick and mortar or you have a brick and mortar, we wouldn't add that to your policy and it could be a totally different insured location. So making sure again, that you're honest, then yes, those could be covered under the same policy as long as it's the same business entity. Okay. Right. And and we we have what we call class codes, so we would need to add um, you know, a store exposure if you're if you're operating your own walk-in um location. Okay. Okay, interesting. Now, going back to what you were talking about about third-party, you know, warehouses, I think um probably there's 5x the number of people uh who sell on Amazon who use third-party warehouses in 2020 as opposed to 2019 just because everybody all of a sudden was forced to use them a lot more due to the inventory limitations at Amazon. So is part of this, part of this policy could be then, Hey, uh, my inventory is, is now like covered at these third-party warehouses or most third-party warehouses have that as, you know, like for example, if Amazon loses something or, or, you know, their warehouse blows up, you know, of course they'll, they'll cover it. I'm assuming maybe some warehouses have that too, but is this, what is this additional insurance covering really? Well, it's covering if you have a third-party fulfillment um, that you're using 3PL that is not covering your inventory that they are in care custody and control of. Um, You know, you're right. If it's an Amazon's facility, a um, fulfillment center, then it's in their care custody control for property damage, like the big fire out in California a year or two ago. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah. if you, yeah. And it, but if you have um, maybe, maybe because of the inventory um, restrictions that you can um, send in, you might have, um, you know, a self-storage unit that you're using to store your goods until you need to do the monthly fulfillment to, you know, replenish your inventory. Well, if you had a, if there was a fire in that, you know, little strip mall, whatever you're storing it in, then your inventory is gone and you need to make sure that you have coverage for that. Um, and that's where, you know, we can, we can add that coverage to your policy. And to kind of um, make the phone call, we I insure a lot of 3PLs, and the majority of them do not have coverage for other people's products. So I would urge you, if you have a 3PL, make the phone call to your um, the owner of your 3PL and say, do you have coverage for my products? And if they say yes, 
ask for proof. Ask for that certificate of insurance. Don't just take their word for it because most of them do not have coverage for your products. And I was going to say the same thing. Make sure that that, that um, third-party warehouse gives you um, an evidence of property, which would be covering your your products in their in their on their property policy, and or um, point out in your agreement with them that they show you know here's the agreement here section you know three C shows that we are covering your products. Okay, now I would just I'm going to make an assumption here that um, you know I'm, I'm sure both of you deal with people who are getting their very first, you know, business type of insurance policy or Amazon insurance policy. But I'm sure also other people maybe who who on their own got their own insurance ha- have maybe come to you since both of you specialize in e-commerce and Amazon now and, and then say, hey, can you take a look at this and maybe see if I need to get something? So would that be an accurate assessment that also yeah. you guys have looked Absolutely. at? Okay, Absolutely. good. Because my next question then is, in your experience, and we're, we're, I'm going to ask this to bo- the both of you, what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen when you see somebody try to get their insurance on their own. Oh, I knew this was going to get a reaction. Uh, and then you're like, oh my God, I can't oh, believe that Godly, you did this. Let's get started. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing that I see is people who buy it on their own and just get general liability. They don't realize that it doesn't have product liability. So they'll come to me and say, hey, Ashlyn, well, your policy was you know, $700. Well, I found this online and it's only $300. And I'm like, well, send me the copy of the policy. Let's look at it. And it's only general liability. And that's not going to cover if your products actually hurt someone else. So that's like the biggest mistake that I see is if you want a $300 policy, you're going to have $300 worth of coverage. Like it, it, Don't go chasing the cheap policy. Get the right policy that's going to cover you if there's an issue. A $300 policy does nothing if it's not the right coverage. All right, quick break on this episode to give you my BTS of the week or of the day, I guess. Bradley's 30 seconds. Here we go. So if you don't have brand registry, you probably run into the one situation where if you put your brand name in the brand for a new product, it doesn't accept it. You get this error called brand 5665. Well, we wrote a blog about how to get around that, but just some updated information is, yes, you can put N-A or N-A or TBD or something in the brand, but make sure to put your brand name in the manufacturer field under the create new listing, because if you do that, it will accept it. And then at least until you are able to get your actual brand on your listing, that brand name, or that you put under manufacturer will actually show on the public listing so it's not some ugly thing that says TBD or N-A. Let's see, what else, you know, would you say are are mistakes that people, you know, not necessarily people who switch to to, to you, but just mistakes that, that, that people are making in this general topic of, of getting insurance for their online businesses? Ashlyn, do you have any others? Yeah, I do. I think another couple of mistakes that people think are just not getting insurance. So they'll come to us and say, well, I have an LLC, so I'm protected. I don't need insurance. Um, I don't know if you've tried to like pick up the phone and dial your LLC, but you can't do that. You can't just call your LLC and say, hey, I'm being sued. Will you come protect me? It just doesn't happen. Having an LLC is great or a corporation or however you set your business entity up is is fabulous. That's a wonderful step for a new seller. But you have to have insurance 
to be able to protect you and defend you from these lawsuits. That's the biggest thing you're going to see with these policies is that you get to pick up the phone and say, hey, I have a claim. I'm getting pulled into a lawsuit. And as we all know, insurance companies don't like to pay claims. So they have really darn good attorneys to get you out of these claims. So just don't rely on having an LLC. Make sure you've got a policy to protect you when you do get pulled into these claims. Okay, cool. Michelle, any others? Um, I think we've pretty much hit on most of all the, the issues that we come into. Um, I will say that sometimes we get, um, I mean, I've got three or four over here I need to review from this week. Um, it's been a crazy week. But um, that the policy, I mean, the policies are written with the wrong class codes, um, which is an insurance terminology again. But um, again, it, it just, it really matters. And it, it matters if you're doing, you know, the rates are, are much reduced if you're doing RA, OA, wholesale, if you're selling another's person's brand. But if you're white labeling, private labeling, that's that's a whole different ballgame. And the rates are considerably higher because your name is on it. You are the you are considered the manufacturer at that instance. Okay. All right. Good and to I think know. one more thing, Bradley, is for customers to remember that personal insurance is personal insurance and business insurance is business. Um, we have a lot of clients that say, well, hey, I keep inventory in my basement or in my garage, but my homeowner's insurance would cover that. And that is the farthest thing from the truth. Unless you can lie to your homeowner's insurance and say, hey, I have 10,000 toothbrushes because I, I like a new toothbrush every day, <laughs> they're going to know it's for business and it's not going to be a covered loss. So just remember your your homeowner's is personal and you need to have a business policy to to protect your business assets. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Now let's, um, you know, we, we've been talking about, uh, tips and strategies throughout this episode. Now, one thing we do is we have something, um, uh, every episode that's called the t or the TST 30 second tip. So what is something you can say in like 30 seconds or so or less that's, you know, regarding insurance, that's uh, highly actionable and, and you think that it would definitely help people. Um, either of you can start. I think my tip would be if you want to be a business, act like a business and protect yourself like a business. Quit thinking because you sit behind a computer that you are untouchable. If you want to be a business, act like a business. I like it. All right. Michelle, you got one? Yeah. Um, I would just say that insurance is, is not as scary as it sounds. Do your research contact somebody that can help you and make sure that you're truthful with them and get your quote. And you don't want to be, you don't want to get that email from Amazon and have your account have a black mark against it. So make sure that you take the steps to protect yourself and your business. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Now what I'd like to do is like I said, I haven't even done this on my account. So we've got the project X account. I need to get that up to up to par and I have a bunch of case study accounts. So, you know, maybe with, with each of you, I'll have one of you uh, hire uh, one of you to do one account and then I'll report back to everybody, you know, how the process works or maybe we can write a blog about it. But does that sound good? Like uh, are you guys looking for, are you, are you fully booked or can I, can I hire y'all to, to get me some insurance for these accounts? <laughs> 
we're always looking for new clients. <laughs> All right. I love it. And speaking of that, if, if people want to find um, you guys on the interwebs and, and reach out to you for to find more information, uh, Ashton first, how, how can they uh, find you? Sure. The best thing to do is to go to our website, www.ecom.insure. So E-C-O-M dot I-N-S-U-R. Okay. And Michelle? Um, you can reach us a, a couple of different ways, but the easiest to remember is um, FBA quotes, plural, dot com. Um, that will redirect you to our main website, which is emford.com for our agency. And then there's um, a whole e-commerce section on there. So, Okay, cool, cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're definitely going to keep in contact so I can uh, get my my accounts up to uh, up to snuff here. It does sound like this is something that Amazon is wanting to enforce a little bit more. So, you know, you shouldn't delay uh, in looking into getting insurance for your uh, account. So thank you so much for joining us and we'll definitely keep in touch. Thanks. Well, Brad. thanks for having us. Yeah.